Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, happy Thanksgiving, first of all. Uh, let's see here. There's not Again, there's not going to be a show on Friday, but I will be back on Monday. That is the plan as of right now. So here's what I want to cover in this episode, and there's a great deal to get to. I have an interesting education story, to say the least, that Cicely from New Mexico sent my way, and it's worth reading and bringing up here. Um, I have a few election-related things to get to, and then a lot of jab-related stuff. And uh, some of it has to do with Simone Gold, of course, and those Reawaken America tour people, um, and a lot of the money that's getting exchanged between all of them and who funds them. And it turns out a lot of it, uh, a lot of that money comes from the Koch brothers, who, of course, are not fans of Donald Trump. And I have a 11-minute audio to play that basically breaks all this down. And again, I don't know who put it together. I don't know who they are, but it's a woman's voice and she's just connecting a whole lot of dots. So I'm going to play that audio in a little bit. Um, and I also watched Mike Yeadon recently, Dr. Mike Yeadon, former Pfizer vice president and chief medical research officer there. Um, he was speaking at the World Council for Health General Assembly, and it was a Zoom call that had a bunch of different individuals on, and there were three speakers. Robert Malone was another, and Mike Eden was was one of the three also. Um, I watched Mike Eden's talk, and I took some notes and wrote down some general themes of the major bullet points that he brought up, and then I want to share those with you and, uh, yeah, just provide a little perspective on his end on on particular things, and he has some solid suggestions moving forward here. And again, it's just a lot of food for thought. So here we go. Okay, first of all, this comes from the Washington Post of all places. So this, this is interesting. It says the following, uh, what if Yale finds out, quote unquote, that's the title. Suicidal students are pressured to withdraw from Yale. They have to apply to get back into the university. And this is from November 11th. It says, quote, for months, she struggled silently with a sense of worthlessness. She had panic attacks that left her trembling, nightmares that made her cry. She told only a handful of students about the sexual assault that she endured while she was home the summer after her freshman year. Now, as she has finished her sophomore year at Yale University, the trauma finally became unbearable. On a June day after the 2021 spring semester, Plenty going on at that time, if you recall. Uh, the 20-year-old college student swallowed a bottle of pills at her off-campus apartment as she slowly woke up at the emergency room in New Haven, Connecticut. One thought overwhelmed her. What if Yale finds out? She'd heard about other students being forced to leave because of depression and suicidal thoughts and about the lengthy, nerve-wracking reapplication process. It was one reason that the student, whom the Post agreed, to identify by her first initial S to protect her privacy, told only a few people about her problems. Three months earlier, a Yale freshman named Rachel Saw Rosenbaum had killed herself on campus after contemplating the consequences of withdrawing from the school, her family said. Her death had renewed fierce debate about campus mental health, the way Yale treated suicidal students, and the university's reinstatement policies. Similar controversies have engulfed other universities as student mental health problems soar across the country. Confined in a room at Yale New Haven Psychiatric Hospital, S. asked her nurses and doctors with her growing fear, do you have to tell them, quote-unquote. Yes, they replied. Because she was a student, hospital staffers said that they needed to let college officials know, she recalled. They gave her consent papers to sign for the release of her medical information. She remembers how vulnerable she felt in her thin hospital clothes as she signed the release. The hospital declined to comment on her account, citing patient confidentiality. Yale officials quickly set up a Zoom call with S on a hospital laptop in a small bare room. On the screen, she said, was Paul Hoffman, the psychologist in charge of student mental health at Yale. She told them about the rape she'd experienced, but had never reported because she didn't want her parents to know. 
and how it had sent her spiraling into suicidal thoughts. He nodded and took notes. A few days later, he arranged a second Zoom call with her and her parents. We're going to recommend you take a medical withdrawal, he told her, she said. Do I have to, they remembered asking him. We're going to strongly recommend it, Hoffman replied. In an interview, Hoffman and other Yale officials declined to discuss Yale's withdrawal policies for, or specific student cases. After Shaw Rosenbaum's suicide, the university told the Yale Daily News that involuntary withdrawals from Yale are rare and that the majority of students who apply for reinstatement are allowed to return. For S, leaving Yale meant losing her friends and mentors, people who had kept her afloat during her depression. It meant losing her routine, her lab research, her four-year plan to get into medical school, losing all of the things that had given her purpose, identity, and support when she needed them the most. I'm going to interject something here real quick. First of all, this is a very lengthy article, so I'm not going to read the entire thing. Not on the show anyway, but you can look this up yourself if you're interested. I will bounce down toward the end, though, because it does wrap up here. Um, the equalizer, as you've heard me say, in all of these scenarios and all of these stories, of course, is you know has to do with the jabs. The jabs themselves are the constant thread that runs all the way through all of these happenings, for lack of a better word. We can assume safely that Yale requires the jabs. They might even require three or more. We have no idea. But what they are producing is not going to be anything or any one of sound mind. So, again, they can have stories like this where, where they're going after a particular policy. And yeah, the policy for a lot of these colleges and universities is awful and has been awful for a very long time regarding individuals' mental health. I highly recommend, again, that people read the book Unprotected by Dr. Miriam Grossman. It's an exquisite book. I read this book a very long time ago when I was a school teacher, and it, uh, it's excellent. She lays it out perfectly, even from her own experience as a college-affiliated uh, psychiatrist or psychologist, that the university system is not designed to produce healthy-minded individuals. Of course, the word indoctrination gets used all the time, and they're indoctrination camps, but the the very system itself is so abnormal that it's very difficult for a great deal of people to adjust to that system. And it's not just, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, they pass it off as being homesickness. Well, you're homesick. You know, that's like saying shell shock or uh, battle fatigue. You know, you break down the mind by changing environments quickly and then throwing yourself around numerous individuals who you don't know, again, in, in what is, can be assumed as a strenuous environment academically, so to speak, or so they would have you believe. And then, of course, you throw in all of the elements of the coercion and the societal pressures to get the jabs, if not, of course, the requirement, just the downright requirement to do these things. It's all of that weight is remarkably difficult for, for countless people, let alone young adults who are 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, suicide is the number one cause of death among college students. If they start to figure out what they've done to themselves with these shots, and they, understand, and they come to grips with the fact that, oh my God, I'm attending an institution that forced this on us and told us to take this, um, I mean, what's going to happen then? This is again just to get back to the article here. This is the this is the constant thread that's just going to run through all of these scenarios. I think. Um, anyway, that's that's my two cents on that. I'm going to continue here. Uh, it says, let's see, they had followed the campus debate in the wake of the Shaw Rosenbaum suicide, and she knew that Yale could force her to withdraw if she didn't leave on her own. As soon as the Zoom call with Hoffman ended, hospital staffers handed her a cell phone they'd taken when she arrived. She began typing out the email Hoffman had asked her to send. Good afternoon, it read, I am requesting a medical withdrawal. In the coming months, she would look back at that moment with anger and regret. 
Uh, it wasn't what she had imagined when she was admitted to Yale, one of the country's most pre uh, prestigious universities, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, she recalled how her family screamed for joy, how special she felt when Yale found out Brown and Northwestern had also accepted her and raised her financial aid to match what they would provide. Quote, they make you feel like you're the best of the best, like this is a bright, shiny thing, she said. But as soon as something's wrong, they want nothing to do with you. I'm going to wrap up the article here, but it continues. And essentially what happened was, is she, she withdrew. They kicked her out, basically, because they said, well, you know, you need to get help and you need to leave. Uh, she stayed away for a number of years and she returned when she was 21 years old, recently, I guess, as of this year. and. She, of course, is not the same person, but more importantly, and this is a big deal, and this is, this is a good thing, uh, she does not feel the same way about Yale and all of the prestige and all of the, uh, whatever, pomp and circumstance that she once felt. She just doesn't care about it anymore. She doesn't view it as being important, sort of the nose-up-in-the-air kind of behavior. That's, I mean, that's an individual who's learning which is great. Now, you know, they're jabbed probably. So that's, that's a thing. But uh, at the very least, in, in the middle of all of it, they, they learned a great deal of information. They learned that universities tend to not give two dams about the students who attend. They claim they do, of course, but they, they really don't. Uh, they move like the wind. And uh, again, they're indoctrination camps and they're filled with politics. They always have been, and they've just gotten worse in particular over the last two years. But this is an individual, again, who has figured out that the name on your shirt and the name on a diploma are about as irrelevant as irrelevant gets, that it really does not matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, these institutions accept people. They only want individuals that they know will stick around and stay and pay. And that's about it. And if you're not going to do that, or they can even sniff out that you're not going to be around for a while, well, they don't protect you, and uh, they just move you along. And they bring in somebody else who they think is going to fit your spot, and fill your spot, rather, uh, and, and complete things in a timely fashion. Because, again, that's all they care about. So... It also, I think, lends itself to a book, which I've referenced here on the show before, by Tracy Cross. Tracy Cross and his wife, Tracy Cross in, uh, in particular, wrote a book um, titled Suicide Among Talented and Gifted Adolescents, or something along those lines. It's an excellent book. And again, it's another book that I highly recommend people read, because what it proves is, with his own research, that the individuals, much like, say, for example, the, the individuals who are vaccinated, how it's clearly come out unequivocally that uh, and, and without any doubt whatsoever, of course, that the individuals that are vaccinated, regardless of the vaccine, are more sick than those who are not. It's the same with these talented and gifted programs. They're producing students who are unnecessarily putting pressure on themselves. And all that that's doing is leading to their, their own mental and emotional decline. And he ends up saying not only that, but that those students themselves are the ones who end up having the most mental breakdowns, that they're the ones that require the most counseling. It's not the average run-of-the-mill student, so to speak, that, you know, goes, whatever, college, can't wait for this to be over, you know, let's get some B's and C's and get the hell out of here. I mean, those people are not the ones that are requiring all of the, the mental and emotional therapy, so to speak. It's the ones that are graduating from Middle school and high school with 5.7 GPA and, uh, you know, have all of these college credits already under their belt. And they're not, they're not, I mean, they're self-driven in, in many cases, but they rely on the system to consistently tell them that they are smart and they are okay. And that's the way that it is. And as soon as something gets out of whack or something becomes, uh, abnormal within their own life, or in her case, she's sexually assaulted and raped and abused. I mean, the moment that anything like that happens and then they turn to the institution to help them, they start to figure out that the institution is not their friend and the harsh reality that it's probably never been their friend. 
and that's a difficult pill. That's a difficult red pill to swallow. But um, yeah, this individual's learning. Uh, they're going to have a whole lot more red pills to swallow here uh, in the in the coming weeks, months, and years, without a doubt. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of these college students, because as you've heard me say on this show, I cannot imagine for the life of me in the future here going forward these institutions surviving. I just can't. I can't see it happening. There's only so much money that. Uh, that can be thrown at this to cover up the larger problem. And of course, as I've said, the thread that runs through the whole thing is these bioweapons that, uh, that they have required people to take for which they cannot name a single ingredient. Lawsuits could bring them down, but a lack of attendance is going to bring them down. And again, just on the campus, again, where, where I live in the town where I live at Miami University, I'm telling you what, uh, not a lot of students around. Yes, there are students here without a doubt, but if you were to reverse time just two, three years ago, it looks nothing like what it used to. And this can't be the only place where that's the case. Okay, shifting gears, although again, it's still jab-related. Uh, has anybody, let me ask you this, has anybody noticed these billboards anywhere? These Elton John billboards? Uh, for this public service announcement organization called PassItOn.com. I mean, it's AIDS-related. <clears throat> Excuse me, I find this interesting. There's at least two of these billboards around where I live. And this isn't exactly a, uh, you know, a hotbed of AIDS cases here in Southwest Ohio. Of course, with the jabs, that's a different story now. But I find the timing of this to be very odd. Uh, I bounced around their website a little bit. It seems a bit odd. Uh, again, a lot of public service announcements, quotes from people, um, videos, things of that nature. They claim to not take monetary donations. Uh, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that there was all of this resurgence of AIDS all of the sudden that isn't jab-related. So, I don't know. I find it weird, but I didn't know if those existed where, where you live. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's odd. Speaking of odd, and speaking of doctors who are still baffled, they continue to be baffled that, uh, that teenagers are dying, and they don't seem to understand why. This uh, comes from the Gateway Pundit. Doctors baffled after 16-year-old football player and wrestler suffers a stroke and blood clot in his brain. This is a football player for Mount Pleasant High School in North Carolina and a wrestler who appeared to be in his prime at the age of 16 was found unconscious on the floor of his girlfriend's house. Tillon McDowell, a player for the Mount Pleasant Tigers, played and excelled as a defensive lineman during the match with Maiden Blue Devils for the state playoffs. Even though the Tigers suffered a 46-13 defeat that evening, it appeared that nobody was seriously injured and left the field healthy. It then says, and Tylan and other Mount Pleasant athletes were getting ready for the upcoming wrestling season, Independent Tribune reported. One day after the match, Tylan was found unconscious on the floor of his girlfriend's house in Mount Pleasant. WBTV reported that Tylan was transported to Atrium Northeast, where doctors found something much more serious than dehydration. And there you have it. Uh, speaking of that, I will link it in the description below. Died Suddenly, the Stu Peters Network documentary that came out recently. It's very well done. I saw it just the other day, and it, uh, it's very similar to Fluvid-19. And again, Fluvid-19 came out before this one at least one or two months before. Um, but they kick off their documentary and died suddenly talking about depopulation, which is a, a good place to start also. Again, much like the Fluvid-19 documentary that Sean Hibbler put out, uh, you know, he, he kicked off that documentary talking about Freemasonry and how the number 33 was everywhere, 33 cases, 33 cases, so on and so forth. They're both very well done documentaries, and again, they both start off at, at different starting points, which is, which is fine. There's no doubt that they are two separate documentaries for similar 
yet differing audiences. Uh, you know, there's there's not necessarily an audience that watches Stu Peters's program uh, in in his weekly shows, nightly shows, and is going to dive into the masonry aspect because that's not necessarily where Stu Peters goes with his content. He'll bring up Satanism and this is satanic and whatever else, but it's still very well done. And again, I'm not criticizing it by any stretch. It's it's very well done. It's excellent. It spends a lot of time on the embalming process and embalmers and what they're seeing. And it's connecting a lot of dots that need need connecting. Um, you know, the trick is just to move this along to people. And again, given the powers of cognitive dissonance, we know that a lot of the already jabbed are not ever going to entertain the idea of even watching such a thing. So you know, for me, it, it really brings up this question, and I'm sure this has occurred with lots of people, but when is it eventually that we sort of reach this point where we're just talking in an echo chamber? And it's just, you know, the, the, the awake that already understand what's going on. Again, I know that more people are waking up, but are these the individuals who are jabbed or unjabbed? Um, I don't know. I, I still think the major shoe to drop is going to be what happens within American schools. That's the angle that I'm taking. That's an angle I, I don't think that I'm, I'm certainly not hearing a lot of people bring that up. But it's also not going to be one of those overnight things where with the snap of fingers, all of a sudden, just people aren't there anymore. I think this is going to be exactly sort of what we've already seen, which is it's just gradual. It's a gradual removal of, again, people homeschooling and then unfortunately people were jab injured and them not being able to attend anymore, and a variety of other things. Not to mention, of course, the entire workplace itself from an adult standpoint. The percentages of employees who have taken these shots, uh, you know, that, that has to always be considered as well. So now what I have is an 11-minute clip, actually it's about 12 minutes, of uh, an individual, again, I don't know who they are, but they're making a lot of logical connections here between, again, the Koch brothers and Simone Gold and the Reawaken America tour and how these people are getting their money and able to fund what they're doing. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to run down the giant list of names of all of the people who, again, have spoken at that Reawaken America tour thing. Um, I'm not that familiar with Clay Clark. Again, don't know where he gets his money, don't know how he gets his funding. I don't know if it's citizen funded or not, but as I said in previous episodes, you know, these individuals are providing information and telling the same old stories over and over and over again. And this is information we can learn on our own. In fact, I would go so far as to just say that there really isn't anything that they can explain anymore on those tours that again, people can't figure out for free. Uh, it's just remarkably repetitive, but this is, again, where people should start to ask questions. And this was an individual who, again, asked questions, and they threw together a, a little video here connecting a lot of the dots, and I'm going to play that uh, right now. So here we go. Oh, the doctors, the beloved doctors. I've been waiting to get to you, so I'll just start with America's frontline doctors. Remember when they stepped onto the world stage on the steps in front of the Supreme Court? in true dramatic fashion. Remember how we took that bait? Finally, some doctors on our side of all this madness. Not so fast. Let's take a deeper look. First of all, I want you just to notice just how contrived these scenes are when I begin to unravel what is actually happening behind the scenes. I also want to say that I'm a recovering conspiracy theorist, meaning that I fell for a lot of stuff and I'm in a place where I refuse to fall for any of these psyops. I look deep into their connections. I look deep into where the money's coming from and things of that nature. So when I'm telling you that I don't trust something, it's because A, my God-given discernment, B, I've dug really, really deep into their connections and see, I can see the tactics clearly because all the enemy does is just copy and paste in all of the different factions of deception. So let's dig in, shall we? So again, they stepped out on the world stage with the White Coat Summit. It's organized by gold in conjunction with the Tea Party Patriots. Yes, we fell for it hook, line, and sinker. But not so fast. 
Let's go back and let's see what this really was all about. How did Dr. Gold, who was not famous at the time, get in with the Tea Party Patriots and have it broadcasted by Breitbart News? And who are the Tea Party Patriots? First, let's point out the fact that within hours, the video had reached over 20 million Facebook users. But yeah, they want us to believe it was totally grassroots. Right. So whether you love or hate Trump is irrelevant because I want to get one thing straight. The Koch brothers absolutely loathe Donald Trump. Here's a few articles with the names being the Koch brothers found one thing they hate more than Donald Trump. This is how much the Koch brothers hate Donald Trump, why the Koch brothers don't support Donald Trump, and Koch brothers lead billionaire resistance against Donald Trump. And there's many, many more where this came from. They also have mutual goals with Soros. So at this point, we can probably all agree that anything funded by the Kochs is probably not to benefit Trump or we the people, right? So America's frontline doctors walked in with the affiliation with the Tea Party Patriots. The Tea Party Patriots is run with the help of Freedom Works. Freedom Works supposedly aligns with Donald Trump, but the parent organization is Citizens for a Sound Economy. And Citizens for a Sound Economy was established by Charles and David Koch. Before I go on, I need to stress how profound this is and why I focus on the enemy within. The Kochs hate Trump, which means they hate you for supporting him. And even if you don't support him, if you like his policies or anything he stands for, they hate you. And they have their hands in so many think tanks and the funds to carry it all out. So it's not absurd or outlandish to think that they could be behind all of these controlled opposition networks. And what they've basically done is become the face of their enemy. And we've witnessed over the past two years what that looks like. So they formed in 2019, which is suspicious all on its own, with the parent organization of Free Speech Foundation. Upon searching for their business documents, I found this. You can see online too, uh, Free Speech Foundation for America's Frontline Doctors. And I found it on this tax document. The name of the organization was Donors Trust. So what is Donors Trust? Well, Donors Trust is an American nonprofit donor advised fund. So founded in 1999 with the goal of safeguarding the intent of donors. And it's not legally required to disclose the identity of its donors. And most of its donors remain anonymous. It distributes funds to various conservative organizations and has been characterized as the dark money ATM of the political right. Lovely. Flynn is deep state, and I call him the lieutenant general of the color revolution. And if you see here on his Flynn Intel Group roster, you'll see James Woolsey, who was the director of the CIA under Clinton, and is also listed on the Council on Foreign Relations, and was also one of the key players on the Dark Winter exercise, which was basically like a mock pandemic. And who props up these disinformation doctors? Flynn and his entire network. So it is my belief that the Cokes and Mercers are funding it and Flynn is leading it. I found this article talking about J6 and the Tea Party Patriots were among the 11 groups listed on the March to Save America, the quote pro-Trump rally that led to J6. Now, I'm a believer that Flynn was completely behind J6 and he used groups like these and many more, including the militias like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to carry out the insurrection that we witnessed on TV. I've dug into about half of these groups listed here, and I can tell you that they all lead back to Flynn, Cokes, and Mercers. The Cokes and the Mercers are the Soros domestically on the right. So we've got the affiliation with the Cokes at the Tea Party Patriots, and we have it recorded by Breitbart which is basically funded by Robert Mercer. And they pride themselves on being pro-freedom and pro-Israel. Don't forget that Steve Bannon is also affiliated with Breitbart, and Milo was too before he condoned pedophilia. Bannon was an early backer, but shortly after Andrew's death, he was appointed executive chairman. Bannon is also part of CNP, which is basically the right-wing domestic version of the Council of Foreign Relations who have other members like the Koch brothers, the Devos, and other billionaires who have invested heavily in developing a complex web of far-right groups and think tanks. The Kochs and the Mercers bankrolled Project Veritas. Very shocking. And Robert Mercer is also the co-chairman of Renaissance Technologies, whose founder contributed $11 million to Hillary Clinton. The Mercers also funded Parler and Cambridge Analytica. 
Remember that scandal? Yep, the same parlor that leaked all of your data. Who currently has the CEO as Candace Owens' husband? And there's Charlie Kirk in the back, who's also in the CNP. And also has ties to the Koch brothers. Surprise, surprise. They have all these think tanks, and they're in all these secret organizations, and the Mercers are tied to the Cokes, and they're both tied to Bannon, and the frontline doctors are tied to Breitbart, and Bannon, and the Cokes, and the Mercers, and they all hate Trump, but pretend they don't. So I think we're going to need some more red string. So no matter how much they try to push Bannon down our throat, let's remember that Trump had less than favorable things to say about him, even calling him sloppy Steve Bannon multiple occasions. Bannon was also part of an effort to provide other Republican candidates with the fuel they needed to take Trump down. See what I mean? When they try to align themselves with Trump, but they will stab him in the back at the very first chance they get because that's always been their goal. This article I found about the CNP highlighted a few different people. So apparently Jenny Beth Martin, who is the co-founder of the Tea Party's Patriots and helped Simone Gold get on the scene, is also part of the CNP. And she's the one who orchestrated the promotion of the hydroxychloroquine and the White Coat Summit. On December 10th, the CNP leadership released a letter calling on legislators to throw out votes. Now, what is their motive for that? Because they are not Trump supporters. Was it to stoke civil war? I don't know. And then finally, They are the ones who helped organize the insurrection on January 6th. Yes, the insurrection that was planned by Flynn and his minions as an attack on the American people to make you afraid to stand up and protest for your right to a free and fair election, which is part of the whole political prisoner psyop. But lo and behold, Ali Alexander was a former CNP member and Michael Flynn, who appeared on the CNP's staff roster. Let's circle back to Simone Gold. In the second paragraph here, which has been archived because she completely scrubbed it from the internet, she said she had a lifelong interest in health policy and worked in Washington, D.C. for former Surgeon General Coop, the same Surgeon General during the AIDS epidemic. The one who Fauci said that he always seemed to do what is the most correct, honorable, and appropriate thing for the health of the nation. Does anyone know what happened during the AIDS epidemic? Well, Fauci did the same thing he did to us during COVID. He botched it and he did it so Big Pharma could profit. But don't worry, that didn't stop Everett Coop from giving him an award for it. No wonder America's sweetheart didn't want us to know that she worked for him and it was an honor to do so. I know, I know. People change. Maybe she just didn't know at the time. I want to add a quick point that Florida Surgeon General is actually on America's frontline doctors as well. I want to know if you'd recognize propaganda if it slapped you in the face. Let's watch a short clip. It started with a choice. Save a patient's life or save her own job. It turned into an explosive event. Daring to speak the truth that the government wanted to hide. It ended with a judge throwing a brave doctor with no criminal record into federal prison for 60 days on a misdemeanor trespass. A shocking and unprecedented miscarriage of justice. This despicable act has crossed the line. J6 is a fraudulent and fascist political weapon. And this absurd prison sentence is the ominous. I'm sorry, that's about all I can bear. And her and her little jail pigtails and her jail push-up challenge just makes me want to vomit. Because she does deserve to be in jail. But she deserves to be in jail for treason, for running psychological operations on American people. Because she was in the Capitol that day. She was part of the insurrection operation that day. Her and her creative director, John Herbert Stern, boyfriend, and everyone pushing it and everyone funding it, like Eric Metaxas, notice how he was also in 2000 Mules, like Joe Flynn, pushing more propaganda videos, like all the rest of the blue check marks that took their marching orders and ran with it, and the entire network that propped her up and pushed her out as the propaganda that she is, like Pat Robertson on the Christian Broadcasting Network, or like Alex Jones on his InfoWars network, because the networks reveal themselves if you know what you're looking for. And once you figure one out, it's just a copy and paste in whatever group they're targeting, whether it be the Christian network, mainstream conspiracy, far out conspiracy, new age, blue collar, military, medical freedom, Whatever it is that they're targeting, they've already collected your data and know exactly how to manipulate you. And they have the funds to carry out the most egregious psychological operations on you, the American people. And they are laughing about it behind closed doors. Make no mistake. 
Sure. Did she give you some correct information about therapeutics? Yeah, she did. And she also laughed all the way to the bank as she charged you an arm and a leg for it. Stop trusting these people and start digging into their backgrounds and who is funding them. What in the world their real motives are, because I promise you, it is nothing good. One of the interesting things, I think, is consistently waking people up to this and people like this who who do these kinds of things, you know, put themselves out there to either protect themselves or to profit from chaos or whatever it may be. But red-pilling the unaware who will blindly call people heroes and a thousand other things. Me personally, I love doing it on Gab. You know, there are, Simone Gold consistently posts on Gab, at least maybe one or two, sometimes three posts a day, somewhere around there. But inside of the comments section, as I read in the last episode, there are individuals that are just torn. Again, in one breath, she's being called a thief, which she is. And then in the next breath, somebody's calling her a hero. Well, the same exact thing again happened recently too. I, I made a comment on her, one of her more recent posts and, uh, you know, just get off a gab, grifter, something along those lines. Somebody gets back and says, you know, how dare you? How dare you call Dr. Gold, you know, this, that, and the other? And then what's interesting is, is that very individual, whoever that person is who, who replied back to me, all I do is I just send them that Stu Peters video of how she's misappropriating funds and dividing people and a thousand other things. And then, of course, other people start to join in and they start to comment to that individual about what they said about gold and how they're wrong and this, that, and the other. I mean, people who who are just foreclosing on these complete strangers for which they've never met and they just blindly believe everything that they do and say is really disappointing. But again, people are are easily conned. And even the people who didn't take the jabs can still be easily conned. And speaking of con artists and speaking of conning people, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Anthony Fauci, along with the White House COVID response director, decided to show up in the press room and gave some comments. And I want to play these two quick audio clips for you. Uh, This is apparently the last time that Anthony Fauci seems to think that he's going to be giving some kind of an announcement to the press. I hope he goes away for a very long time, uh, forever, in fact, and hopefully is uh, prosecuted and executed. Anywho, here's what he said. Can't make this up. So my message and my final message, maybe the final message I give you from this podium, is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible to protect yourself, your family, and your community. Let me riff on this for just a second. It's so absurd what he is saying that it's evident that he is a psychopath, without a doubt. This is, this is just the characteristic of a psychopath, and characteristics, plural, of a psychopath. If we are watching a movie, though, and there's some kind of a script, which, again, part of me believes that to some extent, part of me does not. I, I do not believe that Anthony Fauci is controlled by white hats to help wake up the public by looking absurd and looking more ridiculous on a day-in and day-out basis with everything that he does and says and the different interviews he gives and whatever else. He's, he's consistently saying things that are not accurate. He's clearly the enemy. The question is going to become, what's going to happen in the future with these congressional hearings, allegedly, that might take place and how much is Anthony Fauci going to be in the vice of members of, of the House of Representatives, if not the Senate? Uh, I, I, I do not know. But members of the House of Representatives need to bring him in front of them once they gain control of these committees. And those committees are settled and the participants have their seats in the whole thing. 
so that we can watch Anthony Fauci shake on camera even more than he already does when Rand Paul is tearing him a new one. I would like to see that happen. I mean, that's riveting television, I think. But ultimately, of course, as we know, we want him tried and we want him executed. This is, this is, this is what this is. All of these individuals who are pushing this, this is exactly what should happen. And here's the next audio clip, speaking of that, from the, again, White House COVID response director. Here's, here's his stupid line that he says time and time again. And it blows me away that anybody is still drinking this in. But it's going to take all of us to make that happen. So please, don't wait. Get your COVID shot. Get your flu shot. That's why God gave you two arms. Get one in each arm if you want. Go to vaccines.gov and let's do everything we all can to protect the American people. Thank you. Again, is it possible that these people actually believe what they're saying? The answer is yes. It is possible that they believe everything that they are saying and doing. And they are ignoring all of the facts that exist. Again, Died Suddenly just came out the other day, and now all of a sudden, these two nitwits are in front of the screen saying this and doubling down on their never-ending message. Uh, it's, it's not an accident. There are individuals, I think, that clearly know what's going on, and they've got to they gotta do whatever they can to keep the propaganda machine rolling, because unfortunately, it is working for a great deal of people. And here's the final thing that I want to bring up, and again, this has to do with election fraud, and it has to do with New Mexico. I'm, I'm shocked that this isn't getting more attention. It should get more attention, because again, New Mexico was stolen too. They had some of the harshest lockdown policies. Sicily has brought that up on this show. She lives there. She's brought that up on numerous occasions. There are more conservatives in that state than what anyone would lead you to believe. And the media would lead you to believe, unfortunately, that the entire state is blue, that every county voted blue. I don't, I don't believe that, not for a minute. And if New Mexico was getting the kind of attention that Arizona was getting, um, there would be more eyes on it, and hopefully there would be more people doing something about it. Fortunately, there are local individuals doing some things in New Mexico to try to remedy this fraud. Uh, and there's a county-by-county county breakdown here, at least a few counties. But this, again, comes from the Gateway Pundit, and it is titled, New Mexico Midterm Results Lack Transparency and Are Supplied by Corrupt Secretary of State, Resulting in the State Turning Blue. It says, when you look at the map above, you see that New Mexico is completely blue. This is a House of Representatives map of the results of the current election, and it is completely blue. It says, but people who live in the state say that this can't be without election fraud. Below are some activities going on in some of the counties in the state. Otero County, if I'm saying that right. New Mexicans are concerned about the fact that all tabulators used for in-person voting in New Mexico have internal printers capable of making handmade-looking marks on ballots to attempt to be able to detect if their ballots were printed on during any subsequent audits, many voters planned to bring a blue pen to mark their ballots. That way, it will be obvious if the tabulators, which are stocked with black ink, added any votes to their ballots. A guidance document published by the New Mexico Secretary of State states the following, quote, a ballot properly marked with any device other than the marking device provided shall be counted. Screenshot from the Secretary of State's document, and it has one of them marked in red. Uh, it says the fact that any pen is a legal marking device in New Mexico didn't stop the county clerk, Robin Holmes, from telling poll workers during their training before the election to take down the names of anyone who brought their own blue pen to fill out their ballot. She said she would be referring them to the district attorney. This is voter intimidation and a fourth-degree felony in New Mexico. And then it lists it right there. It goes on and it says, Clerk Holmes testified to the Otero County Commissioners that she was only joking when she threatened to prosecute voters over the pen they chose to use to mark their ballots. However, some Otero County election workers are currently preparing an affidavit testifying that the statement made by Clerk Holmes was in earnest and not a joke. Sandoval County. 
A local grassroots group of several hundred citizens concerned about elections have shown up to every county commission meeting in Sandoval County for the last eight months to take 20 to 30 minutes of public comment to cover different topics of concern in New Mexico's election system, from the fact that the machines are not certified to anomalies in the registration database to impossibilities in the election results. On November 18th, the Sandoval County Commission met to canvas the results of another election conducted on uncertified machines. Public comment wasn't allowed, so instead, 20 patriots stood silently holding signs that said, We the people do not consent to certifying the fraud fraudulent November 8, 2022 election. They stood silently throughout the one-hour meeting. Only one commissioner, Jay Block, gave any voice to the violations of the election code that occurred in the midterm elections. The other commissioners couldn't be bothered to acknowledge the concerns of the patriots in the room who represent a majority of the population who no longer trust their election system, and they opted to rubber stamp another fraud. There is a video included. It says, here's a video of the four-to-one vote to certify the patriots silently standing in the room with their signs. Uh, Torrance County. As you know, Torrance County was inexplicably missing several hundred ballots from their June 2022 primary, according to their own internal audit released in October. The public had every reason to believe that their commission would do a more thorough review of their election documents before letting it go out of their hands this time. At a minimum, they should have made sure that they had the correct number of ballots in their possession. However, the commission did nothing to slow down or investigate the 2022 midterms. Several sources have shared that there is a water deal in the works. Watch the water. That two of the commissioners stand to profit by. Maybe that has something to do with it. It then says prior to the certification, members of the public attended the canvas performed by Torrance County Clerk's Office, and they wanted to know if the clerk was really doing a careful review of the election documents as required by NMSA 1231. Dot F and 1-13-4. It describes that code right there, and it continues, and it says these members of the public testified in a public meeting that the clerk didn't review any of the paper documents during her canvas. See, here's the thing. It's incredible. These people are just flat-out gaslighting everyone. They're just not doing what they're supposed to do. And they're just saying, well, it's official, and they stamp the papers, and they move along, and then people can complain, and they just keep plowing ahead. That's the only thing that just keeps happening here, is these people just keep plowing ahead. This is why, and I mean this, I mean, this is why military intervention is the only way. If Space Force is real and was designed to catch these people, these are the people that have to be arrested immediately. They're breaking endless laws by certifying these elections, and they're not double-checking a single thing. It's, uh, this is nuts. It says, quote, she did not even make sure that the poll book signature rosters balanced with the number of ballots she supposedly had. In fact, she did not even prepare the canvas that was given to the commissioners. The Secretary of State, who was on the ballot, prepared the canvas and sent it to the clerk to present to the commissioners. There was no due diligence in this county that had already proven that there were serious problems with their machines. And then there are public comments here, which start at 535. Let's give a little listen here on the Torrance County Special Board of Canvas meeting, shall we? In three, two, one. Hello, everybody. I'm Samantha Bowman, and I'm a Torrance County resident. Um... I would like to start with um, just talking about election day with the experiences that me and some of my friends had. Uh, me and my friends, most of us are 18, 19. This is our first election that we get to vote in. We're all excited to go and vote. Um, and I was able to, I was so happy with that. However, um, some of my friends were unable to vote because when they got off work and different things, they went to the 
polling locations, and there was an hour, two hours wait on all the lines that they went to. Um, one particular went to three different polling locations in Moyard, well, around Moyarding, but not all technically. But around there, and they all had long waits. They had stuff that they had to get to that evening. They were unable to vote. And that is not really okay. That's They had a right to vote. And because of the county's problems, you know, their technological problems, their whatever problems there was, um, people are not responsible for that. They lost their ability to because of our county offices, um, you know, whatever problems that they had and that they had anticipated or whatever. Um, the problem of so many people that probably should have been addressed um, before. We have how many people voted in the primaries. We have percentages of how many people would vote in the primaries to normally how many people would vote in the generals. Um, we should have probably looked into that a little bit more. I mean, it's obvious most people would vote in the general. Not a lot of people vote in the primaries. That is expected. Um, but something else I would like to um, also mention is I would encourage the commission and um, anyone else who's I'm pretty sure just the commission is just for the cameras. I'm not exactly sure how it all works, but as far as anything goes, if there is, I would make sure there isn't any errors, whether it's just um, somebody entered numbers wrong, whether there is machine tabular errors like there was with the primary election, whether it's whatever errors, because um, if you put your name on it, you probably will be held accountable. Um, if it all goes down, even if somebody else was telling you to do so, your name is still on that. Um, and there's something else I was going to say with that, but I don't. Oh, yes. I was just going to give the analogy of in school, right? Everybody had to go to school, sort of. Um, it could be homeschooled. But in a test, you get one answer wrong on a test, but you got the rest right. You don't get 100% because you know what they're talking about. We still get held accountable for those errors because supposed to be learning the point is supposed to be correct get correct if we have those standards for children who are supposed to be learning and it's not super important if they miss one question in our elections when it is important for everything to be right it is something that i believe we should um, ensure is proper and is correct um, if it's not we need to fix it and address it not just go oh well it's okay we'll do better next time um, but so there's that I would also like to say that, uh, going back to the lines, I have a verse here, um, a Bible verse. It's Proverbs 31, 8-9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. There is people who cannot come and voice their concerns, who cannot come and ensure that everything went right. You know, they're busy, they have full-time jobs, they have families, responsibilities. but. Our job, everyone who's here, everyone who's here, is to make sure that people are have justice, that they have the ability to do what our government has given them as rights. And so thank you for your time. You know what? She's 18, 19 years old. It's admirable what she's saying. It really is. And I applaud her for saying it. She's naive. She doesn't understand that these are criminals, that they don't care what, what she thinks and what the citizens think. They don't even care what you know. They don't even care if you know that they're criminals and that they are openly breaking the law because it's just a waiting game, really. That's really all that it is. They're, they're, they're waiting for you to just consistently do nothing and then just plow ahead with their own decisions and their own result that they manufacture from the start. Again, just giving everybody the illusion that uh, the right thing happened, and if it didn't, well, that's a rarity, and you know, too bad, but on to the next thing. And then they just move ahead. That's what they're counting on. Again, props to the 18, 19-year-old for standing up, because again, they're doing more than most adults. But here's the next guy who speaks, and... Uh, he's a little more direct. Brady Ness, one of the American people. Um, realize you gentlemen have a tough task ahead of you today. And if I were you, I wouldn't even want to be here. I don't even want to be here. Here I am. Um, there are a lot of concerns about our elections. 
We had concerns in the primaries that we both voiced concerns in the 2020 election. We believe there's massive fraud. When I say we, I'm not speaking for everybody, but it appears that the number of people that have distrust in government is growing daily. And if you watch the news, there's no reason whatsoever to trust the government. Um, there's corruption on every level. And it appears to me that we don't even operate under a republic anymore. That has been stolen from we the people. And there's a group of elites that are controlling us. They created corporate governments to mirror what we perceive to be government of the people, by the people, for the people. But we're starting to learn, and it's being brought out before our very eyes, that it is a regime, a regime, a corporate regime that has taken control, and they utilized us, the people, as collateral. They borrowed against our credit. They've impoverished us. They're stealing our lands. They're stealing our businesses. Look at what is going on before us. And we believe that you gentlemen uh, have a choice today. You can exercise your free will to stand with we the people and say, we cannot in good faith certify this election. There's too many things that don't add up, even from our primary audit. At best, in our primary audit, we have unanswered questions at best. In this election, at best, we have unanswered questions. At worst, we have treason on a mass scale. And I believe these things are coming to light. And I pray that they do come to light. And I pray that you gentlemen would act in the best interest of we the people today. You are acting and operating in the court of public opinion. Uh, I realize today that there is going to be one group upset with you, no matter what you choose to do. And uh, at the end of the day, if the righteous prevail and if God wills, this corporate government is collapsing before our very eyes with their corrupt banking system. It looks like it's collapsing globally if you look what's going on in Brazil and these other countries. And it's time that the American people stand up and realize the theft that has taken place. And if we prevail, God willing, this government will collapse before our very eyes and all that will be left is we the people here on the land in Torrance County. And they're gonna remember what is done here today. And so we ask that you stand with we the people, certify this election when we have answers to these questions. How did votes go down? In multiple major races in New Mexico, how did votes go down? You're telling us that these candidates had this amount of votes and then 20 minutes later, they didn't. They disappeared. How is that possible in an election without manipulation? I do not think it is. And I think the people agree with that sentiment. We want answers. Thank you, gentlemen. And they're not going to provide them answers because they don't have to. Because again, they're going to play the waiting game and they're just going to move ahead and assume that everybody's just going to go back to their lives normally and forget about it, and that's going to be the end of it. People aren't going to forget this anymore. It's too widespread. It's happening too often. It's beyond obvious. And for no one to investigate it at the local level and for no one to actually fix it permanently at the local level to where it is the most ethical thing that we do every single year, that should tell you all that you need to know about these people. We have to stop with the pleasantries, too. We just have to stop with the pleases and the thank yous. That's not going to help anything in these meetings. You're staring the enemy right in, right in their faces, and then you're saying, we would like you to do this. This is something we would like to see you do. We would like you to answer our questions. The enemy isn't going to do that because they don't have to, and they know it. They know it. But God willing, these people will be held accountable. People need to contact their sheriffs more frequently. They need to contact anybody at the local level if they have proof that all of this occurred. But unfortunately, again, a lot of these sheriffs are bought and sold too. It is, it is corrupt through and through. I don't have an easy solution to this one. It's the same situation that we were in last year and the year before that and so on and so on. So. We just have to keep plowing ahead and making sure that we don't forget these names. People just flat out need to keep lists of the names of the people who were involved and the signatures and the people who signed off on these fraudulent elections at the local level. That, that just has to happen, I think. Okay, here's the last thing. This, again, was the World Council for Health General Assembly. Uh, it looked like a giant Zoom call with a bunch of people, and Mike Eden spoke for approximately 40 minutes or so. Here were basically the bullet points that, that he ran through, and 
the takeaways from his talk. First of all, he openly talked about depopulation and how this is a depopulation agenda. That is refreshing to hear. I wish more people would say that because that's what it is. I know a lot of people do say it, but there are people that steer away from that particular word. And again, that's that's why I also enjoyed the Died Suddenly doc because, again, they start off with that. They start off with the overall theme of depopulation. And, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's the entire point. Uh, he then got into the business of immigration, and he basically said that if he were younger and had younger children, that things are so serious around the world that he probably would have just left his country and just moved somewhere else. That's debatable. I mean, I fully understand people's take on that. We're, we're clearly seeing that with New York and California and other hard left-wing states. Um, that's you know that that's up to each individual. I'm a I'm a stay and fight kind of person, but I fully understand that that things, you know. I mean, I've moved around, so when things don't work out, uh, you or they do work out in a oh I don't know a very specific kind of way. I guess uh, you know you 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 pick up stakes and you move, and people do that to save themselves, uh, save their own families, and I, I fully understand it. So yeah, there you go. The third point was that people had better know who the liars are, who the grifters are, and that they had better understand that that's something that's going to consistently take place as as time continues to pass on here because there are people seeking to take advantage of numerous individuals and uh it's it's remarkably important to know who the liars are he said and then of course his fourth point went went along straight with that which was stay up to date Stay up to date with factual information. Stay up to date with new things that are going on and, and try to stay as, as far ahead of the curve as humanly possible. Um, his next point was we have to refuse the digital identification. The digital ID and these social credit scores stuff is going to continue to roll out. He said it's going to get worse. And people, he, this was basically a direct quote from him. He said that people have to immunize themselves from not participating. That if you're going to immunize yourself with anything, it's not a real shot that you should use, clearly. Um, metaphorically, you need to immunize yourself from participating in the digital ID stuff. Um, he also said that along those lines, that it's very conceivable that in the future there will be free things that are given out in order for people to sign up for, uh, so to speak, this digital ID and these social credit score kinds of things. You know, in, in your mailbox, we always get a bunch of junk mail, of course, as I'm sure you do too, but, um, you know, you end up getting a, an envelope from your bank and, and there's a card inside and it says, you know, here is your new whatever, spending card or something along those lines. They may even give you, again, Something that's free in a way to entice you to agree to some digital ID going forward. That's essentially what he was bringing up. Um, let's see. He said refuse all vaccines going forward no matter what. He said fight against the removal of cash as much as humanly possible. Use cash as frequently as you can. Uh, again, he said the, the business of debit cards isn't all that bad of a thing, but if they start to roll out with a digital ID, that, of course, will eliminate cash permanently, and he's got a point there. Um, let's see. Keep building your networks, he said, without a doubt. Continue to talk to people. Continue to, you know, gain a list of individuals that you trust, that you know you can communicate with and bounce ideas off of. Again, people on your own street, uh, people in your neighborhood, wherever it may be. Um, he also brought up, of course, how at the G20 they were talking about the next pandemic. And how before the last COVID nonsense and that whole pandemic, there were at least 10 tabletop pandemic simulations that these individuals and governments and actors and whoever they are were actually running. And that this is a plan that they have going forward to, again, try to implement all of this again, not just with our generation, of course, but with future generations as well. So that's really about it. That was my summary of his 40-minute talk. Again, those are pretty much the major bullet points that he went over. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, happy Thanksgiving again. 
Check the description below for Died Suddenly and the link to that video, and I will catch you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.